folks welcome to episode number 42 for wild game dynasties podcast thanks for tuning in hey you could be doing something other than this but you chose to uh to tune in to us and to, to give us a listen give us a try uh we're even getting some nice feedback for people that uh, really are enjoying our weekly uploads and uh, hey we've missed a couple of course uh you know family that comes first and that's uh uh, that stepped in the way a little bit. I shouldn't even say it stepped in the way. It just uh, it caused me to pause a little bit. Hey, one was uh, we have a new grandson, and yeah, there's been a couple other things happening. It's all good stuff. And uh, welcome back, and we're just glad you're in, in tune with us and listening. And I think you're going to enjoy uh, today's podcast with uh, Derek Van Buren. He's a gentleman and a scholar, we'll say, but it's true, he truly is. And uh, I think you're going to appreciate his message today. And without further ado, let's roll right into podcast number 42 with Derek Van Buren. Derek. Gary. How you doing, man? Good. I'm doing great. Good. Hey, uh, for our listeners, uh, uh, Derek Van Buren, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. From Marquette, Michigan? Yes. Yeah. And the neat thing about it is we have a little bit of history between you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, I first met you, she was what? 20 2013 yeah, yeah you you and uh well, i call him frenchy because that's who you was, how you introduced still him. goes by frenchy yeah oh, <laughs> john, john french yeah, yeah john french and a couple other guys of course mike avery was uh uh a good person to have in camp too we had a lot of fun oh absolutely and, uh, actually it was as we look back on it, it was veterans weekend kind of thing yep and so we kind of put that in that perspective and that was a good thing because of course you and and frenchy and that other gentleman i can't think of his name but uh all veterans and uh, and we got to pick on Mike Avery for a little while too. <laughs> <laughs> and that we did and that we? was the important part yeah. of it <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah good so, guy though really oh yeah fun. absolutely it was uh, she was that was a good time well hey today uh, we sat down uh, here in God's country in Marquette uh, community and uh, you know where you live and it's not where I live uh, unless something changes in my life and boy, I can see my wife already leaning in that direction with a new grandchild so sure and uh, so anyways, uh, I, I just want, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? I know about yourself, but I mean, ratchet it back for the listeners. Sure, sure. Um, I, my name is Derek Van Buren. I was uh, born and raised here in the UP, a little town called Skeeney, just uh, I guess it'd be northwest of here, yes. right on the shores of Lake Superior. Um, I, uh, well, you know, it's an interesting thing I should probably point out. We're in the market armory today. Yeah. And this is this is actually my place of work. And nice. Yeah. So. Um, Very nice facility. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of surrounded by the college campus, eh? Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're surrounded by Northern Michigan University here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've got uh, just over 20 years of, act of military service. Um, and I've got a few years left uh, for retirement here. Um, Beautiful. I work in uh, logistics. I'm basically a supply sergeant here in the at the at the unit here that I work at. Um, so everybody's calling you. They think something's going to be slid under the table to them. <laughs> right. No. I mean, that's the old days. <laughs> sure. You know, but sure. Seen it on TV. You know. Right. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, big time into the outdoors. Uh, you know, I've been a hunter, trapper, and fisherman my whole life, um, and it's a big reason why I live here in this area. Uh, another big reason is, you know, I like being able to raise my two kids here. Yes. Um, you know, they're, they, I, I want to make sure that that outdoor lifestyle is instilled in, in, yeah. their, in, in their lives. So that's in the same opportunity 
that your parents gave you. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I, I always consider myself very blessed and lucky to have, you know, the, the upbringing that I had mm -hmm. in the area that I'm from. So Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, you know, because I look at, you know, your background, military background, whether uh, you were active, uh, which you've done some active parts in the military, obviously, and uh, I won't get the, uh, call it the logistics, but I won't get the lingo right. I know I won't, but, uh, mm -hmm. but you've been with the guard for a long time, mm -hmm. but that afforded you an opportunity, always work-related, but to travel. Yes. Uh, so it wasn't like you're uh, traveling and, and then surfing the, you know, Hawaiian surf, but you're on, you're on, you're on the clock, you're working. Right. But it exposed you to a lot of areas throughout, not just the United States, but the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, with all that's out there, I mean, why Marquette? I mean, I get it, but we got to, you know, we got to. Just a, just a nice place to live, um, you know, and I, and I met my wife here and she's from this area. Nice. And, you know, I, I joined the army right out of high school. I did three years um, active duty army. Yes. Um, I've been to Korea. I spent a year there, Fort Drum, New York. Um, from there, gosh, they sent me to Fort Polk, Louisiana, Fort Hood, Texas. I've been to uh, the National Training Center in California. So I've kind of been from one end of the country to the other and overseas. With your wife following you? No, she, I, hadn't, I hadn't met my wife yet. Okay. Yeah, at, right. the, at this point. And um, when I got home, you know, my my original intention when I joined the Army was to go to college, yeah. to get the Army College yeah. Fund, get yeah. the Montgomery Jeb Bill and all that stuff yeah. so that I could afford it. Otherwise, there was no way I was going to be able to. Yeah. Who wants go to, to carry the debt? Exactly. So I ended up getting out after the three years, and I ended up um, going to Northern Michigan University here. I got myself a little apartment in Ishpeming, like a lot of oh, students yeah. do. And um, uh, I met my wife probably about four months yeah. in, into going to school. And, uh, yeah, I ended up putting in um, five years total when it was all said and done. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was maybe four and a half. But I got my bachelor's in uh, criminal justice with a oh, minor. Nice. My minor was in environmental conservation because I was going to pursue a career in the Department of Natural Resources. I was yeah. my, my original you know, plan was to be a DNR officer. They have a great program. Here. They do. They have an excellent program yeah. here for that. Yeah, that but and all the fisheries and stuff. I mean, everything's just up and coming here as far as right. They're completely progressing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So my career path didn't really take me in that direction. Yeah. You know, when I, when, you know, when everything was said and done, and I ended up being full time in the in the Army National Guard. Yeah. I am now. Wow, nice. I'm I'm happy with what I'm doing. Oh heck yeah. So. Yeah. You still got your degree. I do. Yes. And really, that can tie into what's going on in the military absolutely I mean, oh, yeah big time yeah and you know none of, none of the uh, class time was wasted i'm sure so yeah <laughs> right <laughs> so but that's a good thing i mean uh, um and boy nmu i mean they've got it going here uh, they do the wildcats and i got you know we talked about it a little bit but when i first started going to this college in 2001 it was maybe half the size that it is now the campus has just expanded Wow. enormously I, and the amount of students have probably almost doubled from when I first started going to school here till oh my now. gosh and that's you're talking just under 20 years yeah so that's that's quite an expansion that for a college like this to make absolutely this yeah. uh, this town I mean I remember a lot younger I was in probably elementary school so I mean you know 14 maybe at the most 12 14 but my my brother and his well, now it's his wife, but his girlfriend at the time went to school up here. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I mean, the 
campus, you know, to me it was a big campus because I came from a small public school, but boy, you come here now and it's, oh my gosh, you know, it's just exploded. And then you look at all the uh, construction and, and uh, the industry that's, mm -hmm. the economy here, it's just got to be really, really roaring. Right. Yeah. yeah, with more population, brings more business in and, yeah. you know, they can really add on to the place. Yeah, so. they seem to really doing a nice job, uh, you know, holding it in check though and not just letting it you know rampage down the road uh, right. for skelter and, and kind of ruin some landscape uh you know things that people would later on wish they hadn't done so right yeah well here we're talking about the uh, you know the chamber of commerce <laughs> thing we'll say and uh, we're really not here for that but right. uh, i wanted to, you know our podcast is all about hunting a little bit of fishing mm -hmm. it's kind of reflects on what i like to do and and yeah. uh, but i know you like to hunt and yeah um, and you talked about that's a big reason why you came back. So mm -hmm. um, when I bumped into you, you and Frenchie, and then I learned that you did some uh, you did some bear guiding. Yes. How, how'd you how'd you find yourself doing that? Well, it, it, interesting, and, and it ties to Northern as well. Actually, I um, I met a gentleman by the name of Greg Johnson. He runs um, Bear Mountain um, LLC um, out of Nagani. Oh, okay. And yeah. it's basically it's a it's um, an enclosure where they hunt wild boar. Okay, he yeah. got it. He got into that game a little yeah. bit, and you know, I was a college student at the time, looking for you know, looking for work and things yeah. to do. And he said, "Hey, actually, I'll back it up a little bit. I uh, I seen his brochure at the Gander Mountain, yeah, and and I'm I'm big into trapping. And at yes, the time, we were we were going after coyotes, like we were just you know all over the countryside looking for coyotes to trap yeah. and." Hey, that takes a special skill. <laughs> it does. Those are not easy. Yeah, to yeah. It, you talk about a challenge. Yeah. You're talking about probably the smartest dang animal in the woods. Oh, yeah. You know, I've seen those things do crazy things. But anyway, um, you know, I, I gave him a call one day, and Greg's a very animated gentleman. And uh, I, I was talking to him, and, oh, what are the coyotes going to do? Are they going to get my pigs? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he turned it around on me. Yeah, and I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't know, maybe. I'm right. just trying to help you out, you know. Yeah. And um, he goes, well, tell you what, how about you take a stop by? I'm looking for hunting guides. I'm just starting this business oh, up. Oh, man. Yeah, so. You played into that. I played right into that. I, I got out there, and they were doing a big hunt. They had a bunch of people there, and they're in there chasing these massive, you know, mean-looking prehistoric pigs around. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this looks like fun. I could get into this for a little while. So I, that's what I did. I got into Not that. barnyard pigs. Not barnyard pigs by any stretch. <laughs> I mean, these things were the mean, vicious looking, yeah. like prehistoric. Yeah. You know, they call them Russian boar, but they're, you know, you can find them just about anywhere in the world. You yeah. Know? I thought maybe they originated in that part of the world. Who knows? But, yeah. you know, they are, you know. We don't want to call them Russian boars, and then Ted Nugent will have a hate because he says no such thing. But <laughs> right, he's exactly. probably right. But they have to originate somewhere, and they're, like you say, they, uh, mm -hmm. oh man, they're dangerous. They, they are. They're, 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 yeah. they got a short temperament to them. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, I did that for a little while. I said, I said to Greg, I said, you know we could do we could expand this a little bit into some more outfitting we could mm -hmm. we could do bear hunts we could do predator hunting you know we could yeah. do things like that and uh, so we can try the bear hunts out well he has a, a prominent landowner in the area that okay. he's, he's a partner with and um, he had a 2,000 acre chunk of land that's to the west of here and uh, we got permission to use that um, exclusively to ourselves wow so we went through and you know I started in 2000 I say it was 2005 and uh, we got on that piece of property the next season in 2006. And um, we 
I, basically, I say we, but really me, yep. I did it all mm -hmm. on my own. I would take anywhere from probably six to up to 14 hunters a season um, starting then. And That's a handful. Oh, yeah. Oh, I should yeah. say that. It's more than a handful. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got your work cut out for you. I, they all arrive in camp. I, I yeah. did, yeah. So, yeah, I started uh, bear baiting then. And, um, uh, you know, it was a learning experience. Yeah. It seems like it's one of those things that the more – you think you learn, you're really not learning a darn thing. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. you, you realize you really don't know anything about yeah. it is what you right. end up learning, you know. Because just when you think you're figuring the bears out, oh, yeah. they throw another curveball oh, at it, it, it's, And when you, you have a hunter or, you know, you have some hunters mm -hmm. tag out and you start feeling pretty good about oh, yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and then the next year comes and you can't find a bear in the woods. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, I mean, it wasn't like it's uh, your fault as in, you know, what did I do to screw up? It's mm -hmm. just, you know, hey, they're wild animals and they're predators and, and they they kind of keep to themselves. And it's not like they run in, you know, packs like a coyote or a deer like a herd where you can see tracks all over the place. Right. And, you know, you're trying to find that one nice uh, bear for somebody. And, and you talk about, you know, we, we mentioned coyotes being smart. Bears are also a very smart animal. Yeah. You know, they're super intelligent. Yeah, I, mean, they I don't are. think they get enough credit for being as smart as they are, especially the old bears. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're super, super yeah. smart. So at, when we when I st we stop recording, I'll get the GPS coordinates. Right. But so it it went it took off from there. So how long did you uh, did you do the bear painting? Then? So yeah, I, like I said, I started in two thousand six, and it was a little bit off and on because I was also in the National Guard at the time. So I, I deployed to Afghanistan in two thousand nine. Okay. Um, and then came home. I started back up again in two thousand ten, and kind of went from there. Yeah. Um, so you went to Af Afghanistan, you said, in 2009 yeah. then? Yep, deployed okay. to Afghanistan in 2009. Yeah, yeah. Think nasty things were happening there. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, we were route clearance. Uh, I was part of uh, what they call a sapper platoon. It was basically uh, combat engineers. Uh, we'd wow. go out on routes and we'd find the roadside bombs and things like that. And we were in a pretty rugged part of Afghanistan. It was all mountains and, yeah. you know, some desert terrain, but not much. Okay. You know, it was... It was mostly rocks and, and mountains and small yeah. villages we'd roll through, like wow. places set back, you know, 100 years from, oh my. you know, what we're at now. But You'd show up, they had to have their eyes like deer in the headlights looking at oh, you the, guys showing up in their little town. Yeah, we'd have our high-tech, you know, military vehicles and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, so you were a really, your crew, I mean, how do you identify, I call it a crew, but... Is it, was it a platoon? Or yeah, what? yeah. We, we we they they call this like a route clearance platoon is okay. what they would. Refer so you guys to are really looking that. for trouble. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we, that the rest of the people, um, in the military could do their assignments without wor hopefully worrying about the trouble that you're looking for. Right. Like we would we would go out and we would clear routes basically anywhere from the infantry. Um, to support units, you know, just bringing water and food. Yep. Or uh, they used to have these uh, teams, these provincial teams that would go out and, you know, they'd rebuild villages and things like that. And we'd go out in front of them mm. and, um, you know, look for trouble, you yeah. know, so to speak. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I want to say we probably got into just as many firefights over there as we did run into roadside bombs. Oh my. And sometimes you'd run into a combination, you know, you'd roll yep. out and they'd set off a bomb and then all of a sudden they start shooting at you and we're shooting back and they, they'd, they'd try to ambush you as much as you, yeah. much as they could. Yeah. You know, sometimes it was more harassment, but a lot of times they would go all out. I mean, 
we, wow. we'd have RPGs flying and exploding and oh you know lots of heavy gunfire and things like that yeah, so, yeah. wow real stuff mm-hmm. so back to John French Frenchy yeah is that where you met him is mm-hmm. in the military then yeah he's a Uper he's a Uper well he's originally from downstate I think Saginaw oh is originally where he's from right yeah we can't give him on yeah credit. <laughs> he's so a we, yeah we, we, we yeah we, we refer to him as a Uper now yeah. I guess but yeah he lives up by Chassel now him and his wife and wow. kids that's and a beautiful area there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, well, that's where we met, and that was what we used to do. You know, we he was my gunner. I was his squad leader, and we used to, you know, anytime we were out on mission, it was me and him in the same vehicle, and if we dismounted, he usually yeah. came along and stuff like that. Nice and to know that that same guy that you kind of know how, where he, what he's thinking mm-hmm. and him, you, before they think it. It's right. nice to have that oh, yeah. by your yeah. side at Yeah, all and there was a pretty good crew of us that really were like that because we were pretty much all Upers on this because wow. we all you know came from the same area. That's nice to have, though, because it's mm-hmm. nice to have a you know a chit-chat in the evenings or whatever it is, yeah. mornings or whatever, yeah. maybe in chow line or something, and you know. Mm-hmm. Right. You reference something in the UP and everybody kind of understands. You yeah. Know? Well, we, I remember one time me and him were up on a mountaintop and we were looking over a, you know, route, you yeah. know, just kind of looking for trouble up there. Yeah. And we'd get to talk and we'd be talking elk hunting because he was big into <laughs> elk hunting out <laughs> yeah. west. He's like, yeah, it looks like Utah out here or Colorado or Wyoming, sure. you know, wherever he'd yeah. been. I'd never really been to any of those places. So he'd tell me all about it. And I used to love to hear stories about elk huh. hunting. And, yeah. you know, um, I think he's probably hunted more mule deer and pronghorn antelope and all that stuff and yeah yeah but yeah that's that's something we used to talk about a lot when we wow. when we'd be out but, yeah yeah but you came back home we did we actually we got into a pretty bad firefight um and we both got we, we got wounded together yeah. um, over okay. there and we were medevaced back he he got hit a lot worse than me he was more exposed um he took a we took a um a rpg to the vehicle we both took shrapnel and everything and, and got messed up pretty bad um so they did medevac us back you know we got to uh bagram to lundstuhl germany we were there for a little while going through you know yep. rehab and stuff and then they got us back to walter reed yeah and uh, we were walter reed for quite a few months going through you know wow. the healing wow. process and yeah all that, so yeah wow yeah yeah long uh uh i mean it's a long time Mm-hmm. It takes from the point uh, to get finally back home, mm-hmm. from the point that the the firefight took place. Right. But you look back on it, and it just seems like it was just you know a blip on the radar screen. Oh, really? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. yeah maybe. It, it really. Oh yeah, no! Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't know. It's like a lot of people always say. You know, you you kind of tuck the crap out of your mind as much as you can. It's not to say you shove it aside because it's part of your history. Right. It's part of your story. Right. But you remember the fun things, like you said, when you're sitting on that mountaintop. You're oh, yeah. You're and hearing Frenchie tell. Yeah, those are all the good memories yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. all the fun stuff. Well, now your buddies, I mean. And then, oh, gosh. You know, all yeah. the other guys that were there, too. I mean, those mm-hmm. are friends now that you wouldn't have had had you not participated in the and it's funny when we run into each other now it's like no time has gone by it's like, yeah. yeah hey oh, you know it's yeah. like it's oh, yeah. right back we're right back there again you yeah know? absolutely yeah so it's pretty yes. cool well you came back to marquette obviously you're still you know your full-time worker here at the guard mm-hmm. uh, employee military but um when you combine because i had a couple buddies downstate that do some similar stuff so but i know something about you that i think the listeners are going to appreciate so if you can tell us about when you combine combined your full time job stuff mm-hmm. in this, you know the, the military has been a 
big, huge part of your life. Mm -hmm. And and then what your passions are. I mean, your passion is family. We know that, but right. this hunting and fishing stuff. Yeah. Well, I work with a foundation called the Wounded Warriors in Action. Yes. And basically, what what it is is it we it was started by a, a retired lieutenant colonel, John McDaniel, okay. and he and he he started that up because uh, he wanted to help out um, wounded wounded vets, and yes. he called it Wounded Warriors in Action because it. What it, it focuses on is your Purple Heart recipients. Okay. So they were wounded in action, yes. wars in action. And um, that started, gosh, I want to say he started it in 2007, and it's ex it's huge now. Um, I got to go on a hunt with him in 2010 at, a, at an event in Wisconsin. He, he mm. had bought a piece of land down there, yeah. and this was just in you know starting out. And um, we went uh, on a bow hunt. And it was also, uh, there was musky fishing oh, and wow. stuff like that near Phillips, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, he calls it Camp Hackett is the name yeah. of the town, or the name of his camp. And um, uh, I, I, I thanked him up and down as I had a great time yeah. and everything. And he says, I'd like to bring you on as an associate. And I said, oh, this sounds great. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, since then, I've kind of, I've gone on, I've been kind of like a liaison between the hosts of the events mm -hmm. that we do sure. and the Purple Heart recipients. Okay. So, you know, you see, we have, we've had guys from, you know, Vietnam. Um, you That's know, pretty special. Yeah. Those guys really didn't get right. the... Uh, I say the recognition for their service, and, and well, the way we what we yeah. tell those guys, a lot of Afghan and Iraq vets, is the reason why we're treated so well is because of those Vietnam vets. Oh yeah, it really is sense. because you know our country was, it was in a rough time at that time. It was before my time. Sure. You know, I don't know what yeah, it was same like, here. but it 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 it. The reason why we're treated so well is because they were treated so poorly. Yeah, you we know? learned a lesson from that. We did learn a lesson, and from that's that. like anything, isn't it? Though, mm -hmm. you know, we learn, you know, how not to do it next time. We're going to mm -hmm. make a wrong into a right one way or the other. And this is good right. that this is happening. There's a guy downstate that we talked about the same thing. His name is Ross Elliott, and uh, that's something that's near and dear to his heart because he spent 12 years in the army as well, and and so the wounded uh, veteran. Hunts he does kind of on his own, but uh, right. Uh, but you know that's a passion he has as well. So and yeah. he talks about that same exact thing that you just mentioned. You know the Korea, the the Vietnam vets. It's not that they deserve it more than the, uh, our most recent ones, but uh, those ones that really didn't get the pats on the back for their service and for you know leaving home, leaving their families behind. A lot mm. of them didn't make it back, and those that did, I mean, we just didn't recognize them as. You know, is the heroes that we should have. So right, yeah. But now, um, I think we're up to about 250 Purple Heart recipients a year. Wow. Um, we have about 65 events. Wow. Um, total hunting and fishing. Yeah. And and then um, it's like I want to say we're about 32 different states across the oh across the country, and in a couple different. I mean, we go to we also go to different countries now too. They yeah. have a fishing trip in Mexico, and wow. they've done Africa, and oh Canada, my. stuff like that. So yeah, we're all over the place now. Yeah. It's expanded a yeah. lot. And this is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of a lot of hunting and fishing. Um, you know, I've I've had a lot. I've been blessed. I've gotten to go on a lot of, a lot of these uh, events and meet guys from all over. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 great because you know for me it's it's like it's amazing because I'm meeting all these 
guys that have gone through similar experiences in the military mm-hmm. as I have, and they're into the same stuff as me. They like hunting and fishing. And it's cool. Sometimes you get guys that have never gotten into this stuff. It's like a first time thing for them. They're going on a wow. Like no, actually, cool. this Wednesday, I'm leaving on a on a on a bear hunt in Maine. This Wednesday coming up, wow. I'll be there through the weekend. And um, the three guys that are going, the three Purple Heart recipients, none of them have ever bear hunted before. Oh my goodness! So this is going to be awesome. I'm, That's I'm an really excited. Yeah, yeah, about this. Yeah, so. you know they they don't order. Maybe they do, but I mean. For you to be able to share in that experience and see the reactions on their faces and see their emotions just run huge, mm-hmm. that's, to me, that's better than the hunt itself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in other words, you carrying a tag and, and getting to put that tag on or harvest a bear. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I, I went on a deer hunt in uh, the state of Tennessee, and um, there's a really nice couple there. Dennis and Shelley are their names, and they, they own a 600-acre piece of land. Yeah. And the deer hunting was pretty tough at that time. The weather had changed. It's not like our deer hunting. When it gets cold yeah. around here, it gets, gets the good. deer hunting gets good. Yeah. When it happens in Tennessee, that's it shuts a, down, a eh? total opposite. Yeah, oh. yeah, it shuts down. You know, the deer just mm-hmm. don't want to move in that stuff. So I had a guy from Florida. He yeah. had never deer hunted before. And um, he's sitting out in the blind, and he's freezing. I mean, it's, it's like 40 degrees. Yeah. It feels like summer to me and you. Yeah, but throw a sweatshirt on. Right, throw a sweatshirt on. You'll be good. Yeah. So he was out hunting, and uh, the last night we were hunting, and he had a couple of young does come in. Yeah. And um, he ended up taking a, a young doe. And I tell you, he, he was so happy. Wow. And from then on, I mean, he's a hunter now. You know, yeah, he, that that first experience he of him the being bug. out there doing, he got the bug right away. That's neat. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, because otherwise he may have only uh, heard about it or read about it. Yeah, and just may not have. Uh, you know, maybe his family just didn't. You know, growing up, just right? Uh, just kind of where he grew up and yeah, where he was from. Yeah. And 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 you know, it was cool. It made it even more special was that he had withstood that cold. Yeah, you know, he he he. You know, feared the ele- You know, he, yep. he withstood the elements. And he got himself his deer, you know, yep. he made a great shot on it. Yeah. And he brought home venison to his family. Wow. And, you know, yeah. it was just it was just a great yeah. great thing, you yeah. know. So, Outstanding. Yeah. Well, hey, uh you mentioned uh we're kinda you know, we'll probably kinda wrap this up a little bit, but mm-hmm. I mean you're getting I say closer to your retirement. You mentioned that on the onset. Mm-hmm. How many years do you have left before you retire I've, from the military? I've got about three and a half years. Okay. About three and a half years, I'll be able to retire and yeah. collect the pension right away. And yeah. What's uh, what's on what's on Derek's uh, radar screen? Oh, definitely a lot more hunting and fishing. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah. I, I want to get a. I'd like to get a boat and get out on Lake Superior and yeah, go after Lakers and salmon. Um, and then uh, head out to Standard Rock. Oh, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we've tried yep. to do that a couple of years, and we keep getting blown off. Oh, I, you know, I, honestly, I've probably uh, uh, we've had to cancel just as many trips as we've actually made out there, just yeah. because of the weather. You don't want to go out there on a pad. Oh no, no. You figure you're talking what two and a half hours out? Oh yeah. What that one guy say out of Marquette here, like fifty some miles. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It, you don't need anything bad happening. No. You're out that far. No. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing that, and uh, you know, a little more hunting. Um, you know, like I said, this year I, I, I do have a few hunters that I'm taking out. Yeah. Like me and my brother, we bought a piece of property out near um, the town of Sidnaw. Okay, just yeah. to the south yeah. of there, we got a cabin and 85 acres, and oh, it's all surround. It's surrounded on all sides by federal forest land. Oh, I mean, you're, yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. 
Um, but you know, it's camp. It's camp. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's our deer camp. You know, the deer hunting is definitely tougher there. Yep. Um, but we did. Me and my brother each shot a nice eight pointer out of there last year. And wow. For yeah. you know, UP yeah. deer hunting, that's that's you outstanding. Know, yeah, that's all right. Well, you know, you're used to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you bring somebody from downstate, we'll say, and it's nothing against their skill set, but if they're not used to it, it's very, very difficult. And yep. it is for us. Yeah. But you know, there's some things we know that you know you. Of course, you're not going to see a deer on every uh, cornfield. Well, one thing is no cornfields. Mm-hmm. So. But, uh, yeah, it's tough going. But if you, you know, you're hunting the sign, you're hunting the deer sign, you're hunting the natural foods. Exactly. And so, yeah. yeah. You, take, you, you take what the woods gives you. That's you know? right. That's Absolutely. pretty much what, yeah. you're, what you're doing. So yeah, we can probably sum it up to say you're going to be looking for, looking for a lot less trouble. Oh yeah, <laughs> and a lot, and participate in a lot more fun things. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm but I'm, a lot I'm more really appreciate the fact that a couple things. Thanks for your service, no. and the and the second is thanks for continuing to help the vets. Absolutely, and, and I know that's an important thing, Derek. Yeah. Gary, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank yeah, it's you. Been thank a nice, uh, been a nice chit chat. We'll call it. No, thanks for having me. I, I do appreciate it. All right, take care. Oh, you too. All right, Derek. Hey, I forgot to ask you something. Um, you know, there was a story you told me mm-hmm. about a, I mean, with your coyote trapping. And, of course, you know, this is kind of a, I mean, when you tra- coyote trap, you were telling me that you, you know, sometimes you catch something in your coyote traps that wasn't a coyote. Yep. And, of course, I knew at that time. Then you said you had to enlist your dad and, you know, big guy. And mm-hmm. Tell me that. Sure, okay. So this is a cool story. Yep. So Both times that the coyotes, or not so much a coyote, got in the two traps. Yeah. So here's here's what happened. Um, I'll back so I had, I was out checking my coyote sets. It was the first trap of check of the day, and the first set I had it had a bobcat in it. It was my first my first bobcat. Wow, no, I was cool. really excited. That's about a bonus. That. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, took care of the bobcat, reset the trap, and um, my dad and brother Alex, when he was a lot younger, uh, were going to be coming along. Um, to check traps with me one day yeah. you know i was doing pretty good that season i was pretty steady catching coyotes not everybody gets to experience checking no. traps no. and you know actually catching some of these things you yeah. know and i was trapping a big piece of country and uh, it was kind of west marquette county that to me trapping i mean i've done some trapping not tons of it mm-hmm. but when i paused to to water trap of course water trap means that you can always you can always trap coyotes too but right i honestly have had more fun trapping mm-hmm. than the hunting of any kind. You really, because, you learn so much. Oh, sheesh, you know. So I'd set up these bow stands, so I'd hunt them hard in the morning, or maybe I got a couple guys to hunt them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when they get back, like, what are you doing home? back at 10 o'clock? You can't sit all day. Well, that's a long sit. Yeah. And they said, well, you know, what do you want to do? And they said, you want to go check some traps with me? And I remember a couple guys, oh, I think I'm going to take a nap. One guy would always follow along, and they had just quite a, I mean, it was a boatload of fun. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't stop talking about it. But go ahead. And oh it. yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so they got. It was a Sunday morning, and we were going out to check the trap, or trap traps. We were coming up to that one particular set that I had where I'd caught the bobcat, and uh, we pull up, and sure enough, we see what I thought was a coyote laying down. Yeah. And my dad's with me. And my brother Alex, and this thing stands up, and my dad looks at me, and he goes, "That's not a coyote. <laughs> that was a big, full-grown, probably alpha male timber wolf wow. that was in that trap." 
And oh, uh, it was the first one I'd ever, I, I want to say it was the first one I ever seen. It's the first one I've ever seen up that close. You bet. And uh, yeah, we, we got out and we're looking at this thing and it, he's only caught by a couple toes and a number three coil spring trap, yep. a little short chain, stake to the ground, you know, yep. and he wasn't going anywhere. Um, well, people, we'll stop for a second. Sure, sure. Our listeners probably understand, but not mm -hmm. a lot of people trap. Right. Today's traps aren't traps from 50 years ago. Right. You know, Correct. They, they, there, uh, there's no big spikes in the jaws. Right. That, you know, impale right. the animal or anything no. like that. They're more of a holding device. Yeah. You know, they have offset jaws and things like that, so you it bet. doesn't break bones. You rarely ever break skin. Yeah. So really, this wolf, you know, he's caught by a couple toes. It's yeah. basically just holding him there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it must have had him just right behind the pads on his toes yep. so that he couldn't pull out. You know, he yeah. didn't want to, you know hurt himself. Maybe he know. wanted to meet you too. Maybe. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, we're sitting there and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do about this. This was a Sunday. I actually got in my truck and I drove to the nearest house, which is a couple miles away. Um, and they let me use their phone. I was going to try and call the DNR and say, hey, you can come yeah. take care of this thing. Like, cause I don't know what the hell to do with this yeah. wolf. Yeah. And you know, I couldn't get through to anybody at the time. I didn't know about the there was a there's a um, hotline that you can call and they'll get you to somebody. You know, they'll okay. get a hold of them at home. But I didn't know about yeah. that at the time. So, I we end up I end up going back and telling my dad, hey, I can't get a hold of somebody. You know, what are we gonna do? And um, throw a wet blanket over. Yeah, head. throw yeah, like you do with a skunk <laughs> or something, right? <laughs> Easy. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, we used to uh, before you were allowed to keep Fishers and Martins. You yeah. know, what we would do, you know, we'd catch them in traps all the time and yeah. we'd let them go when we could. Sometimes they'd, you know, they'd end up dying in the trap yeah. or whatever, but we would um, fork, fork notch a stick okay. and, you know, put it up by their shoulder and it would keep their, you know. When you say their stick though, I mean. A, a decent size. Yeah. Stick. And it, it would kind of, we'd hold down the fisher of the Martin and take the trap off his foot. You know, it, it would keep them, keep their teeth away from you, basically, yeah. <laughs> what it is. And oh, you'd go man, in there with some. fishers. Woo. Yeah, they're mean suckers. Yeah, you they're tough. About, yeah, they're probably one notch below a Wolverine or something. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway. You got a mouthful of teeth. Well, even the Martins, I mean. They're, you know, they, and they're not afraid. Yeah. I got to tell you, I got it. I got, we mentioned fishers. I have to tell you this story right. and I'll get back to the wolf. Okay. So we, I remember the first time I ever caught one, I caught them in a little number one and a half jump trap. You know, I was trying to catch coons behind my yeah. house. It was the first thing I ever got into trapping. Yeah. And, uh, I remember seeing this animal and it is like the little Tasmanian devil, and it's going crazy. I didn't know what it was. I'm 11 or 12 years old. Yeah. My grandpa had, was the first one who got me into trapping. So I see this thing, and I'm like, what is this thing? To an 11 or a 12-year-old, a fisher is huge. Oh, they're big. So yeah. I, I run home. I call my grandpa up, and this was also on a Sunday morning, ironically enough. I call my grandpa. Yeah. I said, I don't know what it is, grandpa. I got something in my trap, and it's, it's mean looking, and yeah. I don't know what to do. And he came there. He had a snare pole. That he used to oh, keep. Yeah. So he put the snare pole over. He told me what it was. It was a fisher. You know, he'd yeah. caught one before. He's a proud grandpa right then. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, he snared it in the neck, and took, I took the trap off its foot and let the snare go, and that fisher ran away. Yeah. He did have a, a sidearm with him just in case <laughs> this thing wanted to come at us because we weren't going to take any chances oh, with no. this thing. Uh -uh. But they were totally protected at the time. You weren't okay. allowed to keep any. They had just recently been reintroduced because of the porcupines in the area. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And they have flourished since. Oh, yeah, they have. And uh, yes. they're one of the few animals that do, do uh, tackle oh. a porcupine and eat it. Yep. They're, yeah. they're the only natural predator of a porcupine. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. But uh, anyway, getting back to the wolf. 
I'm sitting there, we're, we're looking at him. Now, my dad's a big guy. He, he, he was a lumberjack in the wintertime. He did uh, uh, block laying all summer long. So he's a big, big, strong dude, you know. He went, he went from the frying pan in the fire. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He had some arms on him. He did. Oh, yeah. He still does to this yeah. day, yeah. yeah. And um, he, uh, uh, we were sitting there. He, he come up with the idea. He says, why don't we get a big stick, you know, basically a small tree. Yeah. And we notched it. And we could put it on this wolf. Like and, a slingshot. Like a yeah. slingshot, exactly. Okay. So I was like, well, we can give it a shot. So <laughs> we're sitting there. And I remember he, he took the first couple tries. And he would try to pin down this wolf. And I tell you what, that thing laid down. It stood up and pushed my dad backwards and just about knocked him over. Wow. It was, it was insane how strong this thing was. Oh, my. So we wrestled with this wolf like this for probably... I want to say it was close to a half an hour. Eventually, that wolf just laid down. He just laid there. Yeah. And my dad went up and put the stick kind of on the shoulder yeah. where, the, where the leg meets the shoulder, and it yep. just looked at us. It didn't do anything. It, it finally just, realized you were there to do what you got to do. Yeah, it. or he was just giving up. You know, yeah. who knows? But that wolf just laid there. So I went and I had a 12-gauge shotgun with me for backup just yep. in case something bad happened. Set that down. I took the trap off the foot. And he still laid there. I grabbed the shotgun and I held it about point blank range. And I said, "All right, Dad, let's see what he does here." Yeah. And he, my dad, let you know, pulled the stick off. The wolf kind of realized what was going on. That wolf stood up, ran about probably twenty feet into the woods, turned around, looked at us one more time, and ran off. And that was the last we ever seen of him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This was two thousand three. Wow, when that happened. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't you didn't ask the wolf how many deer <laughs> per day they eat or anything. Judging by the size of that sucker, yeah. I think he was eating well. But wow. yeah, it, huh. who knows? God Almighty, yeah, yeah. something though. Oh. Hey, like you say though, trapping is uh, you know is something else. I mean, there was that one guy. Of course, we 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 kind of know that. Well, a lot of people know that the uh, the the shockies. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you you know him pretty well as far as spending some time with him. But uh, there was a guy that actually, I'm trying to think who, who even told that story, but he used to work for him. And then he started a companion trap line mm-hmm. thing. And that just took off. And he stopped doing whitetail hunts and started doing companion trap line hunts. And I tried that here in the eastern UP. And we had a couple of takers on it. And they had an unbelievable time. I think mm-hmm. if there's any downside is they were wore out at the end of the day oh, you know yeah, oh my gosh absolutely I mean, it was a five-day thing because i told him i said you know he said well i don't know could we do it in a long weekend mm-hmm. well you set traps sometimes there's nothing in them for a couple of days you know you hope that your set gets washed out sometimes you you know you're pulling old traps and resetting them somewhere else and after the third day he was so spent yep i mean and his eyes were hanging i think the biggest thing with trapping that i always really enjoyed um, when I was able to put a lot of time into it, and you got to have the time to be able to oh, put man. it. You can't, it's not just one of those things where you can be like, oh, i got a weekend off. I can just go and throw right. some traps on. No, it's got to be yeah. full you, on. You get back from your, your nine to fiver and you say, oh, I'm too tired. That don't, You've got to go out and check traps. Need, absolutely, you do. So, you know, the thing with the trapping is, yeah, it's a lot of work. If you're successful, it's more work because yeah. you get home, you got that yeah. first shed, you're going to be in there working that <laughs> oh, night, yeah. you know? And then I think most of the neatest experiences I ever had in the woods was from trapping just because you figure you're out there every day yep you know you're seeing a lot of different stuff I mean when I was trapping I was probably the best I was really good at deer hunting then because I knew where those 
bucks oh, right yes. now because you figure you're going out there every day. You're going to see yeah. more sign in the woods. And, you know, kind of segue into that a little bit, you get to really learn a lot about animal sign when you oh, trap. Oh, man. You know, yeah. you know where to find trails and things yeah. like that and yeah. funnels and, Absolutely, and all yeah. that stuff. So I remember, too, this other guy, he, he uh, tagged along and he got so, he was so excited. He, you know, I remember that one time there was a beaver floating mm-hmm. in, uh, in one of our conibears, the body holes. And, uh, and he looked at that, looked at me, and he said, what's that? And I said, well, we got one. You know, I mean, it was on the front end of it, of mm-hmm. our whole trap line. He grabbed, he went down there, went right over top of his boots. And so we had to go back, and he wasn't thinking, but he was so excited. Well, anyway, so we took off, and he thought this was a, well, you got to whisper. You know, it's not to say we're going to yell, but that's the beauty of it is it's nice to be quiet because mm-hmm. you see more wildlife, but we could talk. We chatted, you know, and you're, you're walking thus, you know, and, you're watching your scent, but you're not scent free, and so you're interacting kind of with wildlife. I mean, you feel like you're kind of one of the, you know, one of the critters out there, which you are. But oh yeah, it's not like you're sitting in a tree stand and trying to be, or a ground blind trying to be, you know, whisper quiet for twelve hours. Right. You know, you're out walking around having a good time. So right. Yeah, we spent most of our time, I think, on uh, beaver ponds. So, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Beaver trapping's fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you talk about a cool animal to, to pursue. It's oh man, they're they're the, I think they're the only animal that can control its own environment. You know, yeah, they build those big dams. <laughs> they go you go from seeing a small stream to a huge pond. Yeah, you know, so much happens around a beaver dam too, or a beaver pond. I should say. Well, they create a whole new habitat. You're yeah. talking muskrats, mink, otters. You yeah. know, and then predators are like oh, going to show up for sure. Yeah. You know, some um, of our best bear hunts sometimes are. Yeah. You know, near, oh, yeah. near yeah, we yep. look for the where the beaver are sliding the, the timber in for food. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, know, you look and see, well, there's a couple of bear tracks. They're waiting for their food source to come off on land and catch when there's, you know, not as, you know, brilliant to swim in. So, yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, I appreciate it again. Hey. Absolutely. Episode number 42 is brought to you by Horizon Realty. If you are looking for that perfect eastern upper peninsula adventure property, then contact Julie Lipnitz of Horizon Realty UP. With over 20 years of experience at helping buyers and sellers reach their real estate goals, whether your interest is in hunting, fishing, trail riding, or all of the above, Julie can help you find the right property for your recreational base camp. You can also count on her expertise to help you find your perfect cottage or home. Call or text Julie at 906-298-0225. That's 906-298-0225 or visit www.horizonrealtyup.com to start your adventure. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to our podcast, episode number 42, which is pretty cool. Um, Who would have thought the end of uh, this past January when we began our uh, adventures into the podcast land that uh, we'd be chit-chatting stronger than ever now. Uh, We're looking at our our metrics that uh, our podcast host supplies to us, and boy, we've just grown exponentially, which is a beautiful thing. And we really appreciate the uh, the folks that... uh, well, that subscribe and wait each week for that podcast episode to uh, upload so they can download it and uh, listen to it or listen to it directly. 
those folks we really appreciate and all those that uh, yeah, that check it out uh, whether I share it on uh, social media or what whatever uh, source I, uh, I I should say uh, let the cat out of the bag that uh, people see it and uh, give it a try we appreciate that until next time <laughs>